All right. <clears throat> well, thank you. Um, I want to start off with a, uh, an imagination exercise. I want you to picture yourself away from the uh, hustle and bustle of Las Vegas. Um, if you've been here three, four days and fifth trip this year, or whatever it is, you might be ready to do that. But imagine you're back home in your house, your apartment, wherever that is. And imagine there is a large reserve of oil underneath your property and in your property, so you would own the rights to it. But you're unaware of that. And in fact, to make matters worse, maybe someone else is tapping into that or it's just leaking away and that you're not making use of it. That's what I want you to think about during this conversation because what we're talking about is your data, oil, very important to you. And I want to do that in the context of SaaS applications. And let me back up. My name is Spencer Sells. Um, it's been my pleasure to be with a company called NetApp for 12 years. NetApp is a 25-year-old startup. We've been doing storage systems, data management software, and we aspire to be the data management leaders in the hybrid cloud world. And so today I'm going to talk about SaaS applications, protecting SaaS applications. I'm going to focus first on Office 365, but then I'm going to talk more general as well, and then I'm going to talk about some specific solutions that we have for Office 365, and we will be extending it to other SaaS applications. If you have a question, feel free to stand up or raise your hand. And we do have mics here. This is being recorded. So if you want to make sure the, the, your question, your voice is recorded, get behind the mic. If you want to avoid that, shout out to me, and I will repeat the question. I'll also be around after the end answering questions. And we NetApp have a booth in the expo hall, and I'll be talking about that as well. So first off, I want you to raise your hands if you use SaaS applications, software as a service. OK, that's about what I expected. I actually expected every hand to go up if you're with an organization. Um, NetApp, we have a couple IT groups. We have our engineering IT, and we have corporate IT. Corporate IT has moved to a SaaS-first um, policy. And, there, and the reason is quite simple. Um, we don't have the infrastructure to manage. We don't have the, the OSs, the software applications, the patch and check compatibility matrices, and all those sorts of things. It makes perfect sense. Now, one of the challenges we had, though, is figuring out how many SaaS applications we had. And um, Tarani, there's a few others from corporate IT in here. Uh, the story I had heard is about three years ago, we had a bit of a game. We guessed how many SaaS applications we had. And we thought it was going to be around 80. We put some um, sniffers on the, on the firewalls, and we found over 800 SaaS applications. Now, that included things like Box, Dropbox, YouTube, and, and Slack and other things that probably aren't real SaaS applications. But still, the idea was um, understanding what was going on was quite problematic. What we see from our friends at Gartner and other analysts say this is the market for SaaS is expected to grow five times faster than shrink-wrapped software. In fact, many of the applications you may have been using are going to no longer be available as shrink-wrapped software deployed on your, um, in your data centers. I was fortunate enough to talk to one customer yesterday, and they're in that case, where their ERP vendor has said, sorry, end of the road. You have to discontinue use of that software and go on a migration. We would love it if you migrated to our SaaS application. If you look on the right there of the slide, Gartner's also saying that by next year, their expectation is 85% of organizations will primarily be using SaaS applications 
compared to applications that they own and run on-premises. So an incredible adoption from where we started five, six years ago or so. But I have some scary thoughts for you about that. So think about, okay, where is that data? Who owns that data? How can I use that data in other areas? And maybe I didn't think about it before. You may have heard this phrase, uh, data is the new oil. Um, people started talking about this around six, eight years ago. Economists had a very good article on it earlier this year. But the idea is the data that you are generating or sitting on, like that oil, is extremely valuable. As long as you refine it, you know it's there, you know how to make use of it. And so when you think about these SaaS applications, you think about, you know, where is that data? How do I make use of it? Usually you don't know ahead of time, or often you don't know ahead of time. A couple examples from NetApp. NetApp, as I mentioned, has been around 25 years. Traditionally, we sold storage systems, hardware into premises, data centers, co-locations. We continue to do that, but we are really a software company. We are now using advanced analytics and machine learning to improve our support process, to provide better information to our customers so that they can look at how are they running, how's their infrastructure running, how's that compared to other organizations as well. These are things we hadn't thought about a few years ago. And certainly, if you've seen the keynotes today or yesterday and you go around in the expo floor, you're hearing a lot about advanced analytics, deep learning, machine learning, those sorts of things. Well, that all requires data. And so we have this challenge where SaaS applications are the way to go. We recommend our customers to go SaaS first. That's what we're doing. And if that doesn't work, let's talk about the infrastructure you may need and how you get data in there and how you protect data. But you need to know where that data is. You need to make use of that data. Just like oil is a valuable commodity, your data is a valuable commodity. So we NetApp are talking to companies around the world about being data-centric organizations. Now, the real theme is digital transformation. And you may have heard that word as well. But what we mean by that is whether you're a nonprofit public sector organization or, or for-profit commercial, we believe if you're not using IT to change your business or your operations, if you're public sector, um, you're going to be disserving your community. If you're private sector, you may be out of business sooner than you may think and realize. And the reason is your competitors and other organizations are using data to transform their business, to reach new customers, to better serve their existing customers, to reduce costs and optimize their operations, and to bring out new revenue streams. I was talking to other organizations where they have this data and they're able to bring up brand new sources of revenue and new products by using the data that they had already been sitting on. So here's the challenge. Another one, we talked about SaaS, but um, it may not look like it, but I'm old enough to remember mainframes. So if you want to talk um, ZOS, System 360, and 3390-3 CKD, love to do that. We won't bore the rest of you, but we can stand by the side. But I remember that mainframes, and it was nice in that all the stuff was right there, and we had green screens, or you would um, terminal into that. That's not the case anymore. We have data everywhere, and we have new sources of data. We have the SaaS, we have in AWS and other public clouds, we have on-premises, we have it in mobile devices, be they tablets or phones or laptops. 
data in different formats, right? We have, it used to be just um, structured, unstructured. Well, now it's structured in different ways and, and unique to those different applications. And it's moving, constantly moving, needing to get processed, needing to get enhanced. So the challenge of becoming data-centric and using this data has become much more difficult. That's exactly the problem that we NetApp are set out to solve. We believe that this is a hybrid cloud world, meaning that there will be workloads and data sets that you're going to be running on in your control in your data center and premises in your colo, and then you're going to want to be using AWS and other clouds. Uh, and in fact, we think this will be a multi-cloud world as well. You're most likely going to want to use more than one public cloud. What you need is a common way of protecting and managing that data. So there's a consistent set of services to ensure the data is secure, the right people have access to it, the wrong people don't have access to it, that it's got to be efficient. We want to reduce cost. You need choice. You need to be able to move things around and, and use different applications, different infrastructure. And to the extent possible, it needs to be extensible, future-proofed. And so that's what we work on. We call this concept the data fabric. The idea is providing these data services across multiple areas, whether the data is in a SaaS or a PaaS or IaaS or in your data center being able to move the data if it needs to be moved, being able to convert the data and the formats if it needs to be formatted or change the formats. So that's a quick overview. I want to get back to the topic at hand of SaaS now. Here's a study from Aberdeen Group, um, an analyst firm we, we uh, partner with and we subscribe to. And they would caution you to don't believe or don't assume that your data is safe in a SaaS application. And so this isn't picking on any particular SaaS application. But I've had the um, unfortunate conversation with customers where they have picked a particular SaaS, and I ask them, you know, how's it going, and, you know, how are you doing backup? How's your disaster recovery? And they just stare at me wide-eyed. It's like, well, what would happen if that company goes out of business? Or how do you, what happens if that company goes, their, their services go down for a while? And those are some of the more public ones, but think about how data can get deleted, right? And Aberdeen Group is showing that um, there's some systems issues. That's the synchronization. But you look at those other categories of potential for data loss, some is just inadvertent, fat fingers, right? And that may be the synchronization. That may be also there's some malicious aspects here as well, where an end user intentionally or unintentionally purges their data ransomware attacks, which we see in the news and increasing, insider threats, and rogue administrators. So one takeaway I hope you have is, as you go and you do SaaS first, please think about the data protection aspect of that and make conscious decisions. What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? What's the risk you're willing to bear for that class of data? Then I want to get into specific aspects of data protection. Again, I'm old enough to remember DR, business continuity. I remember when replication of storage layer was new. But we think about backup. We think about restore. We think about disaster recovery, business continuity. I want to start with the backup aspect. More information. This is from um, Gartner and IDC. Um, Forrester as well. They'll provide these reports. Happy to talk to you about them and point you to the specific reports um, afterward or you can come by our booth. Again, it's that caution. <clears throat> Just because you've subscribed to the SaaS business or the service, you need to look at the details. What is the level of protection? What are they backing up? 
How frequently are they backing up the data? Where is that backup kept? Is it intended more for disaster recovery than a, a backup? And what I mean by that is to get the chunk of data, is it a huge chunk of data that you then need to go sort through? Or is it a more traditional style backup where I can back up and restore individual items? I don't mean to, to poke at these particular um, logos. In fact, these logos are from Aberdeen and Forrester. So if you're from one of those organizations, go blame Forrester. But I want you to think about where is that data? How is it being backed up? And I want to get into the other aspect. Those of you who've been around in IT and in infrastructure, hopefully you think of backup as one aspect, but the restore is just as important. So I've got a backup copy. Great. Can I indeed restore what I need to restore of that? And what we have found in surveying different SaaS applications is a wide variety of policies and practices from the backup, but also the restore. Most of the SaaS applications or the enterprise class SaaS applications will allow you to recover your data. Now that's the recovery aspect. And then we get into the idea, well, what's that granularity? What's that time frame? As well as what's the view of it? So for example, if you're recovering uh, one individual's work environment, What's their Office 365? What's the work day? What's the Salesforce.com environment? How do you have a holistic view of restoring that person's environment? In the case of Salesforce or SFDC, uh, we see some extra charges, um, which is typical. So again, I don't want to just um, say SFDC is, is deficient here. By no means. This is more emblematic of what we're seeing. So you're, if you pay the extra charge, you can get that data recovered. Then it's a big chunk of data. It may take a while, but you can get that data recovered. Microsoft Office 365 has different categories. I listed E3, E5 here. There's also E1 and a Pro. Well, they can also help you recover the data, chunks, big chunks of data. Um, no SLA on the time frame, at least not that I've been able to see. And many of the customers with whom I speak who have um, some bespoke contracts, um, ranges for how long that data is protected, how long it's kept, and also the, the recovery. So we're seeing this conundrum of SaaS is a good way to go. <clears throat> you have, I hope you feel, an organizational mandate for digital transformation. We strongly believe digital transformation requires data. And here we are stuck with SaaS applications with data in proprietary formats in specific locations that may be protected, may not be protected. And if you're in the IT infrastructure team, you're probably going to be faced with a host of different ways of doing all these different SaaS protections. That's problematic. It's inefficient. So now what I want to do is, after setting up that, I want to talk about a specific case study of a NetApp customer um, and talk about Office 365 as well. I apologize, they would not let us use their name publicly. Um, I like to call them the Stanford of the East. Okay. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but this is a very large Ivy League university. Um, and we've worked with them. They have gone to Office 365. What we're seeing in, in academia is um, often a case where um, staff or, or um, some organizations within the, the universities use Office 365, and the students are often told to use um, Gmail and the Google Suite. 
And, and we often see places where they'll say, okay, on the students, you're on your own. And it's probably an appropriate policy, especially with an 18-year-old college student. I understand that. But for the staff, where there's a legal responsibility, as well as you working in researchers who need access to their information, the collaboration tools, the universities typically take a much um, stronger policy and, and, and uh, a responsibility for ensuring that that data is indeed backed up and protected. And that's the case here. So this was a large um, Ivy League university going to Office 365. Um, and what drove our engagement with them was with their CISO, their chief security officer. And the chief security officer came to us with certain concerns. One is around um, legality. What is this data? How do I do a legal hold? What if there's a um, few months from now uh, an allegation, something I need to go discover? How do I make sure that the data is there when I need to? And usually I don't know those up front. Regulatory compliance. Um, hopefully you've heard of GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations. Um, that's, if you're in North America or APAC, that applies to you too, if you have an EU citizen who is an employee or uses your services. This organization has those similar compliance concerns. And then just physical security of the students um, and the faculty as well, making sure their data safe, there's not um, uh, untoward things going on as well. So these are what was keeping the chief security officer up at, at night. Now they moved to um, Office 365. Um, if you're not familiar, Office 365 has multiple components. Um, Exchange Online, SharePoint Online, OneDrive for Business, Teams, Projects, and there's more. Um, um, very valuable, very capable. We, NetApp, have moved to Office 365. Um, we, NetApp, have some of the same challenges that this university had as well. Microsoft, I would argue, is doing a very good job around being clear what they do and what they don't do and providing clear information to customers about that as well as providing best efforts um, and options for additional data protection. I pulled some of the, not fine print, <clears throat> but some of those caveats from the Microsoft Office 365 websites. Um, if you're very interested, you can see down there the, the specific URLs um, so you can take a look at it. But it starts with this premise that we NetApp subscribe to. Again, getting back to that idea of data is the oil. You are responsible for your data wherever it is. So if there's a break into some cloud or a colo, um, you can't just point fingers. You're responsible for your data. If your data is in a SaaS application, you're responsible for your data. And yes, you may have SLAs. You may even have um, some penalty clauses in there. But fundamentally, you're responsible for your data. And that's what Microsoft is saying, too. And they're saying, you NetApp, this university and other um, Office 365 customers, you are the owner of your data. Now, the good news is what that means is you can take it and you can leave if you can figure out what to do with it. It's in different proprietary formats in some cases. But um, Office 365 will even give you 90 days after the end of your, your um, contract period to remove that data. And so I would applaud them for that, right? So that's the good side of being the owner of your data and responsible for your data. There's a downside. You're responsible for the protection of that data. And so there's certain SLAs you can get. And if you look at their E1, E3, or E5, there's different SLAs, different capabilities that you pay for. You need to choose that. And if you um, 
chose a, a service level that didn't meet your business needs or your compliance needs, sorry, it's your responsibility. Other elements of that, um, Office 365 will be very clear to tell you that they keep four copies of your data. Uh, and it's like S3 and it's an eventual consistency model. So you create it, you write it first, it's consistent. After that, it gets eventually propagated. That's true for the downsides as well. So if you delete a piece of data, intentionally, unintentionally, it eventually gets propagated, that deletion, and gets deleted out. And there's ways you can manage the shares and the folders so that um, you can have some longer um, term retention, but it's different for Exchange Online, and it's different for OneDrive for Business, and it's different for um, SharePoint Online, and in my um, opinion, it doesn't meet the needs of an enterprise organization. It's a bit kludgy. There's also the ransomware attacks. If something gets a virus, gets attacked, eventual consistency, that gets propagated throughout. So yes, you'll have four copies of the data. Microsoft will not tell you exactly where those are, where in the world they are, um, but eventually, whatever happens to one copy is gonna happen to the all four copies of that data. So for we, NetApp, um, as a publicly traded Fortune 500 company, that is not sufficient for our needs. Um, we have responsibilities to our customers, to our shareholders, to our employees, and we have external compliance responsibilities as well. Getting back to this um, security um, officer at the university, it didn't meet their needs as well. They felt like being responsible, or being, um, delegating the authority for protecting that data solely to that SaaS vendor and trusting that that data is okay and that their data centers are gonna be up and not have a hardware outage or some other system failure when they need that or that doesn't accidentally lose a piece of data, they felt that was not um, sufficient for their obligations um, morally but also then with the compliance as well. So getting into Office 365 a little more, um, if you're not familiar, there are different versions of it, um, of, of the services. They have different price points per end user. Um, I'm not here to sell Office 365, so I'll let you go look at them more. But um, there's a Pro, then there's E1, E3, E5 are, are the main um, versions of it. When we looked at what um, it does, we found many good things. And again, we have moved Office 365, and um, for the most part, are, are pleased with it. But we also found some challenges in terms of, of the operational aspect of backup and restore, as well as the, the location aspect of that. Some of those operational, getting back to that, um, how do you restore um, a more finer grain item? Uh, what if I wanted to restore just a mailbox, not just a huge chunk of Exchange Online or a huge chunk of OneDrive for business or SharePoint? I just need a PowerPoint. Um, some granularity and policy differences. Um, my CEO's email and PowerPoint is far more important than mine. And so the policies for his Office 365 um, items need to have a better or a more detailed, more extended duration, um, finer granularity of restores, longer term retentions, et cetera. So we look at these granularities, those are those top couple things. We look at the location. What if I want to restore an email into the mailbox, the online mailbox? What if I want to restore it somewhere else? 
What if I want this PowerPoint into a different location? Maybe I do want to put it back in their Office 365 location, but maybe I want to put it somewhere else as well. So we found various challenges around what was natively in the Office 365, even at the, the highest, most expensive option, the, the E5. And don't ask me why there's no even numbers. You'll have to go ask Office 365. So again, that's what we are doing. NetApp, um, you may have thought of us as that cute little NAS vendor. We do storage boxes. Uh, that was 25 years ago. Uh, we do software. We do data management software for hybrid cloud. To do that, we are building what we call a data fabric. Um, for the nerdier people, you think of that as a data platform or a data bus. It's the idea that your data, you need to manage it in a holistic way. It needs to get to different locations. You need consistent sets of policies. And by the way, in a year, you may have some new requirements and you may need to move it. You may want to use new infrastructure or some new SaaS vendors. So that's what we're building. In the Office 365 space, we came out with a new service. So as we NetApp looking at what are our needs, and we looked around the market, and there was nothing that met our needs, and we talked to Microsoft themselves, and what they provided us as options didn't meet our needs either, so we went and built it. Uh, we built a SaaS service ourselves called Cloud Control. And the first iteration that's out, generally available, is called Cloud Control for Office 365. What it does is it provides you additional set of capabilities for data protection that Office 365 does not do on its own. And I'll show you more on the architecture in uh, the next slide. But fundamentally, if you think about, okay, data protection, I want to make sure that there's a backup. We do that. I want to make sure there's a restore. And I may be able to, I need to restore different levels, different granularities. And by the way, that backup, I may want some things backed up 12 hours and some every 18 hours and some every 24 hours, and I need different sets of policies. But then also location. So we have employees in the EU. <clears throat> we have employees in Germany, employees in France, employees in the UK. We have employees in China. And there's rules around where their data can be. And so how do I also not just solve these backup operational challenges, the restore operational challenges, how do I meet a changing compliance environment so that I can ensure that this person's email is kept in Germany, for example? And these people's, what they created from a PowerPoint or, or Excel or their emails are stored in China or the greater China area. So we set about to solve those backup, restore, and um, data location around backup and archive issues. This is a software service called Cloud Control. And what I mean by that is it's not a piece of software that you download and run in your data center. <clears throat> we run it. It's a software service. So getting back to the idea, world's going SaaS. <clears throat> Excuse me. So is NetApp. We're delivering SaaS. Um, if you want to talk about the engineering side, um, we went from a place where we would deliver our main storage operating system about every two years. Um, and then we try to get it to two years. We're actually down to six months now, which is good. That's still not cloudy enough. This is continuous deployment. This is true DevOps. Every day we're doing tests, and if we need to, we're making changes, and every week we're making enhancements, and we're packaging them together for major enhancements as well. So this is a SaaS service that we operate for you. You can subscribe to, and you can, you can do it on a monthly basis. You can go to the AWS Marketplace, and subscribe to it for one 
end user on a one-month basis. Uh, we NetApp are also selling this in terms of number of users in one-year, two-year, three-year increments. And the way that works is standard cloud policies, like reserved instances. If you want to you know, subscribe to three years, we'll give you a lower price than if you want to subscribe to one year. So you subscribe to the service. That's that light blue box in the middle. It interacts with Office 365. Technically, what you do is you would give it um, an admin credential into that. So you log into the portal. You then log in with your Azure credentials. We don't keep that, or your Office 365 credentials. And this becomes a super user. <clears throat> and then you can use this portal that we provide to set backup policies. How often do I want to do a backup and change it by individuals? Um, you can then also set up, you would do restores from here as well. So it's an admin administrated restore. But you also can then select where you want that data to reside. We NetApp will store it for you if you would like. Um, and so if you want the complete SaaS service, I want to subscribe. I don't want to have to worry about where the data is. Um, NetApp, I'm going to let you do it. We'll be happy to show you how we can do that and adhering to security and privacy regulations, et cetera. We want to make that quite transparent. But the other option we give you is you can store it where you want. So you can send that to an S3 bucket. So you can imagine your Office 365 Microsoft Cloud product with a backup in AWS. And that's important for some of your organizations and some geos where there may be regulations or requirements that you have multiple clouds or that if a cloud goes down that you can access your operations or continue operations in another. And for others of you, it's just, um, I don't want to run data centers anymore. But you know, I, I'm, I'm using more than one, and I want, and, or AWS is my preferred, and I want to use S3 buckets. I've already got that, and I got a contract vehicle, and, and there may be a certain spend level I want to get to as well. We'd be happy to let you store that in AWS. Uh, we have an object store offering called Storage Grid Web Scale. We have other organizations who are interested in, I want to use these SaaS applications, and I want to use primary in cloud like AWS, but I'm repositioning my data centers to be my data bunker. And that's where I'm going to keep my backups. So I have all these different clouds and SaaS that I can use. And if I need to terminate that contract or something goes away, that's fine. I got my backup copy or my DR copy, and it's in my control. I can point to the street address and the blinky lights. And we'll let you do that as well. For those of you who may be familiar with NetApp, think about the change this is. I'm not trying to sell you a box. This is a SaaS service that we would like you to subscribe to. That data may never be in a NetApp storage system, be it a hardware system or one of our software endpoints. And that's fine, because we NetApp, as I mentioned before, we believe we are the data management leaders in hybrid cloud, and we aspire to do a lot more than that, and a lot more of that sort of thing. Um, in addition, changes in our business model. The service, 30-day free trial. We'd love to give you a free trial. Go to cloud.netapp.com. In a matter of a few minutes, you can get this up and running. Um, you can go through the AWS Marketplace as well. Go to AWS Marketplace, look up NetApp. You'll see our various offerings in the Marketplace. And you can get a free trial for this as well. Now, Office 365 is just the beginning. Again, we see this as a common problem. SaaS is good. It solves many problems. Data is critical. You need data for digital transformation. You better be thinking about digital transformation for your organization. 
The data is enabling you to do that, to meet new customers, to better serve your customers, bring out new revenue streams, optimize. From an operational point of view, if you have to go protect your SaaS applications a different way for every SaaS application, we think you're going to go crazy. So we're starting with Office 365. We are moving that to other um, SaaS applications as well. We haven't announced those other ones yet. If you are a NetApp customer or have an NDA with us, we'd be happy to share that. Um, as a little tease, we have some betas coming out um, very soon for other applications as well. And again, on the transformation NetApp's going through, this is a composable architecture made up of containers that we can scale up, we can scale down. Everything talks to each other via APIs. The design point is any individual element of this offering can fail unexpectedly without notice, and the application continues to run. So we have learned how to build true cloud applications. If you're from a more traditional engineering house and you want to talk about transformations of that, I'm happy to do that um, at a different time, though. So what, is, what are we providing then? Well, it's the Office 365 operational aspects around backup, operational aspects about um, restore, the location transparency, um, able to provide you um, encryption of your data that is unique to you, access controls so that you can ensure only the right organizations or in members in your organization have access to these capabilities, be it backup or restore. Audit trails, um, we have a host of um, security regulations we're working through and adding to. So let's get back to my case study about that um, university. <clears throat> um, the individual was at one of our NetApp events. And as soon as they heard about the beta, they ran up and they were interested in signing up into this. They're now in production. <clears throat> Um, they're protecting 15,000 Office 365 mailboxes. That's where they are starting. What have they found? Well, a comprehensive solution that meets their needs. So they had looked at us compared to some other um, applications out there, and they found that they needed to do one thing for one of the Office 365 and one for another, or one for one element of what they needed to do in the backup or store and archiving. We provided a comprehensive need. Very simple, intuitive UI. Right, part of the operational aspect, we want to make this simple for you guys so it's not too expensive. Fine grain restores that they need to meet. You can imagine universities, there are some very demanding uh, end users there. Um, as well as a, a simple way of integrating with what they already had in terms of Azure um, AD Active Directory. Um, and I know this is an AWS event, but I wanted to make sure you understood what they got, which is that AD is important for them and integrating with Azure AD was important to them. So they're pleased. Um, they're running in production. They're not the only ones. We have more organizations. Um, and we found tremendous interest in this whenever we talk to people. And usually the conversation goes, I had no idea I was so exposed. Let me go back and take a look at the contracts. You're right. Let's go figure out how to go from there. So I'd like you to short circuit that. Um, love to have a conversation with you about Office 365. If you want to have a conversation about NetApp, I'd be happy to do that as well. We have plenty of other things we're doing with AWS. We've been partnering with AWS for four or five years now. We have a long roadmap of more stuff that we're doing. But with that, I'm going to turn it over to Q&A. Um, you're welcome to use the mics if you would like. Um, that'd be the easiest to make sure this is recorded. And if not, we can, um, I can repeat the question there.
Uh, FedRAMP and GovCloud, uh, excuse me, um, not yet the GovCloud. FedRAMP is in process. And we can tell you more about the dates. And can I assume that your storage is uh, capable of FIPS compliant encryption? Yes. The question is if FIPS compliant encryption. Answer yes. So for public sector, if, if you're not public sector, all that's noise to you, but public sector really important. Other questions? Okay, I want to thank you for your attention. Um, I'll stay up here if you want to talk about this service, more general SaaS, Office 365, or NetApp. Um, we also have our booth um, on the expo floor. I encourage you to go to cloud.netapp.com or netapp.com cloud control in specific. We have detailed books, um, free trial. I think that's the best way to try a SaaS application. So thank you. <laughs>